Hubhopper Originals. To start your podcast for free, log on to studio.hubhopper.com. Thirty is when I realized I I don't I don't want to live with in my with my disability anymore. Meaning I don't want to run after a cure that might or might not be there anymore. You know, um, and live. That's it's every time you hear the word, there's no cure for it. Or um, she has to live like this. Let it take its own course. It's kind of disappointing when you go to um, the experts in the field, and that's the answer you get. So I don't think I wanted to deal with her anymore. Mm. So instead of running after a cure that might not be there, I think I uh, turned the tables and I said, "Okay, this." disability it's not me uh, it's disability is a part of me so let me live my life best to the best I can let me do what I can with this disability and let not let the disability define me hello and welcome to the success with Savita podcast where we share hot tips on how to do life and business without losing your mind I'm your host Savita Nanjapa entrepreneur high achieving 9 to 5er turn transformational success coach helping you create a wildly successful business come hang out with me and other fabulous humans like you every week for stories and chats packed with a healthy dose of tips resources how to's and real talk side effects may include a happier and more confident you with each passing day i have conquered cerebellar ataxia and now I'm conquering the world one day at a time. These are the words of Ms. Chopra, an entrepreneur and internationally based inspirational speaker and an experienced life counselor who likes to lead her life by example. Alma, who encountered many hurdles in her life, instead of resigning to her fate, rose like a phoenix from her ashes to fight and emerge as one of the most inspirational speakers of our time. Her life story is an embodiment of hope, faith and courage in times of darkness and overwhelming uncertainty. My guest today Alma is an Indian who lives in Chicago. Her heart although is in India as they say, the soul is not where it lives but where it loves. Being a sports enthusiast, Alma was not only involved in playing sports but was also an active member of the sports and gymnast community. A social butterfly by nature, Alma loved meeting and interacting with new people. At the tender age of 10, she was diagnosed with cerebellar ataxia, a disorder in which there's a progressive loss of coordination and difficulties arising with balance and gait. Despite the challenges thrown at her by life, this brave heart never gave up. With a firm belief that the human spirit is one of ability, perseverance, and courage that no disability can steal away she learned not only to manage but excel at things as a teenager she defied all odds and took her passion for art to the next level by the virtue of being a sublimely gifted artist and a poet alma received several accolades for her artistic achievements she graduated from case western reserve university and she does not like to rest on her laurels but she went ahead and completed her bachelor's from Marshall College of Law at Cleveland State University after undergoing the trauma of emotional and physical pain for more than 2 decades alma understood that she's being tested not to show her weakness but to discover her strengths she directed all her energies to work hard on herself and surrounded herself with positive influences 
She took to Reiki, meditation, attunement and other forms of metaphysics. Speaking on a metamorphosis, Alma says, I want my life, my journey and my struggles to be an example to everyone. I'm willing to show my vulnerabilities to the world. If it can inspire one person globally, my job is done. When I chant, meditate and lose myself in the flow, I'm at peace. For so long, I have searched for happiness and peace that came with more permanency. And now that I found a means for it, I would like to help others in similar or different situations see this. Alma is self-reliant, witty and an extremely positive person. She is proficient in Hindi, Spanish and English languages. Alma uses her painful journey towards recovery to inspire people and give them hope. She stands in testimony to the impossible feats, sure grit, discipline and determination are capable of achieving. She has her own YouTube channel which you should check out and I'll drop the link with the episode below. Join me as I talk to her and she shares her unique and courageous journey with us. Hi and welcome to the Success with Savita podcast. Alma, I am looking forward to this conversation and I think to me personally you are an inspiration and I'm very very excited to have you as a guest on the podcast. So welcome to our show today. Thank you for having me. I'm honored to be here. Yeah, it's my honor. And with that, I want to dive right in to your journey. Um, Share with us and our audience your journey so far and how life has changed, especially after you got diagnosed with cerebellar ataxia. Okay, well, uh, my journey has been very long. It's been very life-changing, a lot of twists and turns along the way. So let's start at the beginning. Um, I, until the age of 10, I was a perfectly normal child, gymnastics, after school activities. Um, at the age of 10, I was diagnosed with a very rare neurological um, disorder called cerebellar ataxia. This, um, affects my motor coordination and my balance. Mm-hmm. Um, since then, uh, the, uh, the degression um, has been pretty, uh, it's been slow, the degeneration has been slow, but it's been constant. Um, so when I was diagnosed till about the age of 15, I, I, I would kind of term it as an invisible disorder. Not that I didn't have symptoms, but I kind of brushed it off because I was a very headstrong child. Um, So until age of 15, the symptoms were uh, minor enough that I I, um, didn't let myself believe that I was disabled. Okay. Then at the age of 15, um, it became more visible. In the U.S., we have physical education uh, for kids in school and where they're, they're required. You know, we do um, physical activities, you know, a gym, gym um, yeah. we play ball, things like that. So um, I was disallowed from that engagement because um, my coordination and balance, dis- I wasn't able to run anymore mm. and coordinate movements like others. Uh, children would be and then I think at the age of 20 
that's when my disability got even worse. And that's when I started using more uh, assistance from external resources, getting from class to class in college um, and needing help taking my notes in school and things like that. So I think at 20 was the when the journey downwards began. Um, and finally at the age of 30, um, I was not, I was in a place to start accepting myself for who I, for, for who I am today. Yeah. And I think that, would you say post 15 is when it has been really challenging and at each phase it's been a different kind of challenge or it's been something that is kind of expected, but or most of the time you didn't know what was coming up? I think each stage um, was a separate challenge. So I kind of broke it down in five or years or 10 years. Mm-hmm. Um, the first, first five years, I would say, were pretty hard because that's when it was more new and my parents, um, myself also, we, were, we didn't know what to expect and we were running from doctor to doctor who didn't have any answers either, which left us even more confused and agitated. Mm. Um, but still, I mean, and it was hard because I was a kid, so I didn't know how to define myself. And I didn't want to put any label on myself to make me feel or make others look at me differently. So I think that was the first stage. Now at 15, when it was apparent that I had, there was something off with me um, that the going out, seeking answers, that was, um, that slowed down a bit because we had gotten so many like negatives and so many, okay, you know, there's no cure for this. There's no treatment for this. Um, that went down a bit. That's when I became more introverted and more reclusive. And ironically, my academics soared at that point. I became a really good student. Um, um, and then late, the next phase would be like when I was at 30. So I think at, um, during 18 to 25, when I was in school, I kind of uh build myself behind my books and let my books take take the crux of my uh my emotions you know so I didn't have to deal head on with my emotions and then slowly I think at the age of 20 and 29 that's when I started accepting myself and started saying started realizing and understanding and stopped looking for a cure and a permanent treatment and that's when I said okay this is who I am. What, what's the best that I can do with life that I have, being who I am and living with what I have. That's yeah. why I'm here today. Um, I'm willing to open up and share my story so I can help other kids, um, other adults, other people who are in a similar situation, a situation where they're not sure what's going to happen, where they feel lost at some point. So uh, they, I can um, uh, inspire them, motivate them, teach them, guide them, help them in some way. Yeah. Um, thank you for sharing your story. And I do want to ask you this as you're sharing this. You said at 30, you decided 29, 30 is when you decide to accept that this is how it is. Um, was there like a starting point or a trigger 
for you to decide to share your story or did you just feel like this is it i'm going to start talking to people so like i said i was very reclusive and i was very when i started um when you have something different with you the first thing that um i think a gut reaction for humans is is shame right and because i got it as a kid that was my gut reaction i felt when i used to fall i remember i used to scold myself um and slowly i got out of that and at 30 i think what changed my mind is um number one my mom inspired me to go out and you know she made me believe that i had something that other people might want or my values so that was number one but i think number two is i was ready for that change right so i think at a certain point in your life um you start stop living for yourself whether it's um usually it's later on in life usually it's around 50 60 or 70 when you start thinking you want to get back but um i at 30 is when i realized what i i don't i don't want to live with in my with my disability anymore meaning i don't want to run after a cure that might or might not be there anymore you know um and live that's it's Every time you hear the word, there's no cure for it. Or um, she has to live like this, let it take its own course. It's kind of disappointing when you go to um, the experts in the field and that's the answer you get. So I don't think I wanted to deal with her anymore. Mm. So instead of running after a cure that might not be there, I think I uh, turned the tables and I said, okay, this, disability it's not me uh, it's disability is a part of me so let me live my life best to the best i can let me do what i can with this disability and let not let the disability define me yeah i think i mean i i think that takes a lot more like to come out and share your story one thing that i have noticed with my own life is painful moments when you share the more you talk about it the more you share it it you feel like there's some healing you start to feel better has that been something that you've experienced that when you share your story it makes you also feel different better um uh, so so this uh condition of mine has made me introverted, more inclusive. It changed my character in some kind of way. Mm. Um, and, and I think I, I wasn't inclined to talk about my condition because I was ashamed of it, right? It yeah. made me different. You know, I felt like I was disadvantaged. I was, I was less than other people. I didn't have as much to offer mm. or I didn't have anything of value to offer anyone else. So why would people want to entertain me? or be friends with me, right? So that's, I think the perspective that uh, we come with. And now when I started sharing my story, I see that people are appreciating it 
Um, people are reacting to it. People are responding to it. So it definitely does help your journey once you open up and talk about your feelings or your emotions or yeah. what you're going through. Yeah, yeah. Because I was watching some of your videos on uh, your YouTube channel. And then I was looking at the comments and I can see a lot of people ask you for advice. Uh, and they're like, hey, someone else is going. So when we come, what I want to ask you is when I see that, um, you want to make a difference. You want to create impact in the world. Um, what is that? Is it, do you know what is that difference or impact you want to create? Or it's just that you share your story and you don't even know. Sometimes you get reactions and responses that you just don't expect. Uh, positive, I'm saying. So what? What is the difference you want to create? Is it for people who have the similar condition or it's in general, everybody? I have very specific goals, actually. Um, my first and foremost goal is to raise awareness mm. for people in, in, right now, I would say disadvantaged situations. Um, that's my first and foremost goal. Um, on, I'm not, um, uh, my target is not just for people who are suffering from neurological conditions. I think my story um, relates to just about everyone. Not only if you have a disability, but like you yourself said, when you have hard times, right? Like depression, anxiety. I think I, my story, things I've gone through can relate. Um, people can relate to that as well. So that's my first and foremost goal. My uh, my second goal, definitely, since I am in the state that I am, right? I do have a different ability. Um, my second goal is to change the word disability mm. because, right, that word I think is just very unfair to people such as myself. We feel just like I said when I, when I first was given this label, I felt like I was less, right? I felt like I didn't have anything to give, but actually I do. I have a lot to give and maybe even more to give than other people. And the lack of my balance or coordination, um, it doesn't give me a disability, it just means my abilities are different. I might, and I'm sure I do have heightened abilities in other areas. Right. Um, that other people might not have. Yeah. Like what you hear so far? Make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button now. Stay tuned as we take a quick break and we'll see you on the other side of the show. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I like that you want to change. I mean, it is important because sometimes, like as I'm hearing you say, it's, it's really important not to say disability. Um, that's something that as I'm speaking to you, I'm becoming so much more aware. Um, so yes, I think I have taken away just from this answer, this response, I've taken away something as well. I want to ask you your my next question, which is according to you, I feel like everything you've done so far, it's like, it's, these are big milestones. These are challenges that not a lot of people have. But according to you, what's your biggest milestone? My biggest milestone, I think, um, I mean, I think for me, every day, every decision is milestone itself because it makes me who I am the next day. And um, 
I think from when, when I got this diagnosis to every decision I made jointly with my parents, or whether it was school or academics or career-wise, um, or even this decision that I made to start uh, this outreach on my YouTube channel and putting my story out there, I think they're all milestones for me. Because for me, uh, Savita, every day is a struggle. Right, I don't really know what's gonna happen to me tomorrow. Right, um, like there, there are certain things in my life that I don't have any any control over. Um, my abilities right now may be vastly different tomorrow. Yeah. So everything is a milestone for me, and like every journey, it starts with a single step. Um, my every step is a milestone for me. And it's a necessary step because without each of those steps, I can't go any further. Yeah. So despite being given a very uh, life-changing, I, I would say, and a very um, discouraging diagnosis at such an early age, I, I can say today that I, um, I can say that I'm not happy that I was diagnosed but I can't, I'm not complaining because it's made me who I am today. I'm very proud of the person I am today. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yes, I mean, when you put it like that, every every day, so my, my takeaway is every day uh, is different as well for you because you don't know uh, what each day is going to look like. So on your toughest days, on the days that are worse than the others, right? How do you, um, how do you keep going? What's, what's that thing that keeps you going? Like, how do you do it? That's, that's a good question. And it's a question I'm often, often asked. And sometimes, honestly, I don't know the answer myself. Um, yeah, I have to be inspired. I usually get a push from the one person who's been by my side this whole time. My mom, she um, she uh, she pushes me to go out there to try something. She she encourages me to give it another shot. Um, I think that's how I get out of my lows. Um, one thing which uh, I spoke about before, which is depression, which is very um, it's very it's very joint at the hip with um, generally with people with um, different abilities. Um, people often uh, assume right off the bat that we're we're depressed. Um, that's not quite often the case. Yeah. Um, but our my lows are very much like depression, and depression is cyclical, right? So just getting out of the cycle of oh. Um, poor me, why did this happen to me? I can't do it. What's going to happen to me? Who's going to take care of me? Instead of going on and on and round and round with those thoughts, changing those thoughts, whether it's watching TV, whether it's um, going out to the supermarket, uh, whether it's just going out in public, uh, which is something you don't want to do when you're in your lows and when you are sad, it definitely helps because it changes that cycle and you're no longer in that cyclical behavior of depression and that person who pushes me to do these things and go out is my mom 
Um, so that's how I get out of my lows. Sometimes I just sleep. So that it, sleeping um, or meditation or doing an activity, it blocks the thinking, your, the yeah. pattern of thinking. So doing that, um, that's how I get out of my lows. Okay, okay. Um, I want to ask you the, what I want to ask you is therefore on the flip side, what's one habit that you have been consistent about um, that has worked wonders for your wellness? One habit that I'm consistent, um, I would say uh, making sure that uh, I'm very goal oriented and I try, um, even at, in my house, I have a, a schedule of what I want to do every day and basically what I do every one or two hours, like my activities. So that helps me, that helps me stay on track and keep my eye on what I need to get done. Um, I think that helps me stay motivated and not, it doesn't let me think about, um, oh, poor me, I can't do it. It just keeps me going from one thing to the next thing. Yeah. Okay. And so you said, uh, so um, keeping like having a routine and just having those goals and that that's one way um, that's one thing that's working uh, well for you and that's kept you in good stead. What does a day in your life look like on the, on a whole? I know you said every day is different, but um, I know that you also work. So talk to me about uh, all of that. Okay, sure. Um, uh, generally, a uh, day in my life, it uh, looks like um, I, from the hours of 5.30 a.m. to up till about 12 a.m., 12 p.m., sorry, I do uh, physical activities. Okay. So, um, ironically, I just made a video on this. So, it's usually like 5.30 in the morning to 8 in the morning, I do horseback riding, which is uh, called equine therapy. Yeah, horseback riding therapy. It's a, uh, it's a very therapeutic form, uh, emotionally, physically, mentally. Um, it's very helpful. So that's what I try to do, um, in the morning hours, followed by either uh, a gym session. Mm -hmm. I like to go to the gym, or a yoga session, or a therapy session. Okay. And then post that you have. Yeah. Work. So in the evening hour, so post 12 o'clock, I would probably um, I eat lunch and then I relax. I start working, like you said, in the, around 3 or 4 p.m. And I do like, I play Sudoku. I like playing chess. So the, I wind down the whole afternoon. I wind down basically. Okay. I love playing chess. So that's something that resonates with me. And of course, my little eight-year-old has been obsessed with um, horses forever. So um, yeah, I mean, I, I, and you know, this is a question I ask everybody. What's the next 12 months looking like for you? What's Alma going to be uh, doing over the next couple of years? So the next couple of years, uh, uh, are very uncertain for me. Um, like I told you, every I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. So okay. my goal is um 
obviously to continue this, I want to I want to have an outreach globally. Mm. Um, I want to be in a position. So going back to your previous question, my goals, my number three goal is to make an infrastructure change first in Gurgaon and then um, grow from grow from there. So I want to make it more um, differently abled friendly. So things like ramps and elevators um, and, and for a braille signs for blind people, things like that. Yeah. That is one of my goals. Um, so that's what I'm going to work towards. But that being said, um, my every day is uncertain. Um, I generally don't like making, ironically, I don't like making plans with people because when I make plans with people, um, they're dependent on me in some way and somehow. Uh, just like today, I had a stomachache. And when I, when I feel ill in some way, that kind of disturbs my whole day. And if I have someone else dependent on me, mm. then, I, then it's, I disturb their plan as well. Okay. So, so I, I, I make goals for myself, and, but I have a lot of health issues that often come in the way of that. Um, so it can be challenging, yeah. Yes, so it is challenging. Yeah. But we, I do the best I can. Yeah. I know I've been asking you about how you deal with challenges. What does a day in your life look like? What is the biggest milestone? All of that. But I actually want to ask you something uh, that, what is it that makes you laugh? What is it that makes you like feel lighter? Is it something you watch? Is it something you read? Is it a conversation? Um, if you ask me what makes me laugh, I would say um, it's very easy to make me laugh. Like if you ask me the movies, I generally read like rom-coms, romantic comedies that are very light okay. and funny. Um, um, just... Uh, I don't, that's that's it's a actually a very thought provoking question. Really? Um, laugh? I don't know what makes you laugh, Savita. I think for me it would be. I think it has to be a really crazy um, movie that um, Kevin Hart recently. That's that's on my. <laughs> I recently watched a movie about Kevin Hart, and that really made me laugh after a long time. And yeah, sometimes stand up comedies stuff like that i'm yeah i mean i i have a dog so sometimes he does crazy things. Funny things yeah i think i would agree with that i mean i stand the comedy is not really my is not really my go-to but when yeah. i you know i have time to look it up i um will but it's not it's not something i would go out of my way to do um these days i do watch some youtube and i get a few laughs okay. i like uh, really, uh, um, I wouldn't say brainless, but I would say like dumb things like uh, clumsiness, uh, jokes, pranks being played on other people. Yeah. I like to see weird reaction, things like that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, me too. I have to say that. And so as we come towards the end of our interview, I do want to ask you um something that 
my audience is largely women and largely women in business. But having said that, we are growing and a lot of people are listening to us. Uh, what is your advice from your experience for creating or having the mindset to create a successful life? What's your advice to the audience? But what are some things that they can do? Um, my first advice is that people put a lot of stress on success. Um, success, where does success comes from? Where does success comes from? It comes from failure, right? Every single failure is a learning experience. And we can only, quote unquote, succeed once we pass all those failures, right? So failures is a must. And really success is just another failure, but it's perfected. So what is success? So everyone has their own definition of yeah. success, right? So it's subjective. So what I what when I say I've succeeded versus when you say Alma has succeeded, those are gonna be two totally separate answers, right? In my eyes, the success for you might be a failure. In your eyes, when I see I succeed, it might be a failure to you, right? Yeah. So um, I think success, whatever the definition of success is, success is, it goes hand in hand with failure. Yeah. So if you're ready to accept your failure, get ready to accept your success as well. But oh. if on the flip side, if you're not ready to accept your failure, you're going to have a very hard time to succeed. That's my first piece of advice. Um, a second piece of advice is if you're looking to succeed, um, I would suggest you do something you like and you like what you do. If you want to be good at your job, make sure you're at a job that you like. You make sure you're at a job wherein you like the job and you like what you're doing at the job. Yeah, thank you. Oh, um, that's amazing advice. I wish I had that advice when I started out um, because I did not learn how to deal with failure and I took it very hard. Maybe it's a cultural cultural thing. Growing up, my parents always told me that you get first, second or third. Otherwise, don't even think about coming home, which I took literally to mean that like, don't come home if your report card said any other number. So that's, that's really some great advice. Thank you for sharing that. And I know I want to ask you one more question and I know it's not on our list, but you know, you make the YouTube videos. Yes. Um, what's your process? Um, what goes into the making of these videos? How do you come up with the idea, shoot it, and put it together? Okay, well, um, that's a secret, um, <laughs> but I'll share it to you and your okay. listeners. Um, so I, um, I was a writer. Oh, oh sorry, I am a writer. Okay. Um, so I've written quite a few articles on self on empowerment, so on self empowerment, how to be the authentic you, and subtopics like that. So, um, actually, my my videos are not a far leap from that. Mm -hmm. I a lot of uh, my inspiration and my strength and the self empowerment that I found comes from these articles, right? Um, 
uh, meditation affirmations, uh, yeah. what I share in my videos or what I've shared through my articles, uh, they're not they're not like uh, things that I've read about are things that you know I've heard that I pass on to you guys. Um, they're from my own experience, which yeah. um, so it's funny. Um, I had a therapist come to come to my house uh, like a year ago, and we started working. And when we were talking, he's uh, he's um, he had his master's in therapy. He's working, work, been working in therapy for about physiotherapy for about 10 years now. I said, well, I'm clearly more experienced than you. And, uh, you know, because I'm um, 30 plus and I've been in therapy for almost more than two decades now. Wow. So I like, because uh, I've gone to hospitals and I've had many therapists um, in the US before and now in India. And it's like, it's, it's kind of hard to do something new with me because I've, I've been in therapy so long that I know almost all the exercises. So I always joke that I'm more, I'm more experienced than um, you, my therapist. So, you know, you're coming into a situation where someone is as equally as qualified as you. Yeah. Wow. But thank you for sharing that. And I hope you keep putting together many more YouTube videos. I'm cheering you on, wishing you all the best. Um, thank you for making the time, even when um, you're not feeling your best today, uh, to be here on the podcast. Uh, I really appreciate you and I wish you all the best. Thank you so much, Alma. And let's stay in touch. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm so happy to have had you here today. Thank you so much, Levita. I was, um, I'm so happy to be here too. I hope whatever we talked about today, I hope uh, struck a chord with you and with your listeners. And of course, you know, um, if I can help you in any way, like you said, I have YouTube videos. I have a website, um, yeah. amachopra.in, which I would urge you to uh, look at for inspiration. Yeah. If, if you want to reach out, if you need help, I'm always there. Yeah. Um, but thank you so much, Savita. Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you like this episode and you want more, you can go to the show notes on my website, which is successwithsavita.com forward slash podcast. If you like what you've heard so far, I would be grateful to you if you could leave me a five-star review, subscribe to this podcast and share with a friend who may find this useful. You can also follow me on my Instagram at successwithsavita and DM me any questions you may have and I will be happy to answer them for you. Until the next episode, believe in yourself and all the best to your success. This Hubhopper original ko sunne ke liye aapka shukriya. Agar aap bhi apna podcast launch karna chahte hain, to Hubhopper Studio website pe register kare aur ek minute ke andar andar apna khud ka podcast launch kare. यही नहीं स्टूडियो देता है आपको पूरी आजादी कहीं भी कभी भी अपना पॉडकास्ट लॉन्च करने की सिर्फ तीन आसान स्टेप्स में तो साथ में अपना पॉडकास्ट शुरू करने के लिए तैयार जस्ट हॉप ऑन हब हॉपर सिंपली कंटेंट